Omagyanatimanandasya gananjana salakaya chaksurunalitam yena tasmai shi guravena maha shi chaitanya manobishtam stapitam yena bhutale svayam rupa kadamayam tadati svapadantikam <coughs> Pandeham Shigro Shiyuta Parakamalam <coughs> Shigurum Vaishnavamscha Shirupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatam Vitam Tam Sajivam Sadvaitam Savadutam Parijana Saitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shiradha Krishna Padan Hagana Lalita Srivasakan Zitamscha He Krishna Karna Sindo Dinabando Dagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Taptakan Chenagorangi Radhe Vrindavaneshri Prishubhana Siddhadevi Pranamami Hari Priye Vanchakapa Dhrubhyasya Kripa Sindhu Vyevacha Patiranam Bhavanevyo Vaishnavevyo Namon Maha Shri Krishna Chaitanya Pranitinanda Shedvaiti Gadadhar Shivasiddhi Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Onamo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Onamo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Onamo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Srimad Bhagavatam Kanto 1, Chapter 4, The Appearance of Srinarada, Text Number 3. Kasmin yuge praviteyam. Run two. Sushonako vacha. Suta suta mahabhaga. Varana varatam vara. Katam bhagavatim punyam. Yaraha Bhagavan Chuka Shonakovacha Sutta Sutta Mahabhaga Varana Varatamvara Katam Bhagavatim Punyam Yaraha Bhagavan Chuka Mahabhaga Varanova Tamvara Tamvara 
कथा भागवते भोन्यम यारा भगवान चुका शौनको वाचा तसुता महाबागा वारनावरतम भरा कथा भागवते भोन्यम यारा भगवान चुका Shanako Vacha Sutta Sutta Mahabhaga Varanao Varatambara Katam Bhagavatim Ponyam Yaraha Bhagavan Chuka Shanako Vacha Sutta Sutta Mahabhaga Varanavaratambara Vatam Bhagavatim Ponyam Yadaha Bhagavan Shukha Mataji Shonako Vacha Sutta Sutta Mahabhaga Varanao Varatambara Vatam Bhagavatim Punyam Yadaha Bhagavan Chuka Shonaka Shonaka Uvacha said Sutta Sutta O Sutta Goswami Mahabhaga the most fortunate. Vada, please speak. Naha, unto us. Varadham, of those who can speak. Vara, respected. Katam, message. Bhagavatim, of the Bhagavatam. Punyam, Pious, yet which, aha, said, Bhagavan, greatly powerful, Shuka, Sri Shuka Goswami. Translation purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Shri Prabhupada. Shonaka said, O Sutta Goswami, you are the most fortunate and respected of all those who can speak and recite. Please relate the pious message of Srimad Bhagavatam, which was spoken by the great and powerful sage, Shuka Deva Goswami. Please repeat. Shonaka said, O Sutta Goswami, you are the most fortunate and respected of all those who can speak and recite. Please relate the pious message of Srimad Bhagavatam, which was spoken by the great and powerful sage Shukadeva Goswami. Purport, Sutta Goswami is twice addressed herein by Shonaka Goswami, 
out of great joy, because he and the members of the assembly were eager to hear the text of Bhagavatam uttered by Shukadeva Goswami. They were not at all interested in hearing from a bogus person who would interpret it in his own way to suit his own purpose. Generally, the so-called Bhagavatam reciters are either professional reciter, readers or so-called learned and personalists who cannot enter into the transcendental personal activities of the Supreme Person. Such impersonalists twist some meaning out of the Bhagavatam to suit and support impersonalist views. And the professional readers at once go to the tenth canto to misexplain the most confidential part of the Lord's pastimes. Neither of these reciters are bona fide persons to recite Bhagavatam. Only one who is prepared to present Bhagavatam in the light of Shukadeva Goswami, and only those who are prepared to hear Shukadeva Goswami and his representative are bona fide participants in the transcendental discussion of Srimad Bhagavatam. Shanaku Vacha Sutta Sutta Mahabhaga Vara Navaratambara Katam Bhagavatim Punya Yaraha Bhagavan Chuka. Shonaka said, O Sutta Goswami, you are the most fortunate and respected of all those who can speak and recite. Please relate the pious message of Srimad Bhagavatam which was spoken by the great and powerful sage, Shukadeva Goswami. Among Vishnu Bhadaya, Krishna Prasthaya Bhutai, Sri Mate Bhaktivedanta Swanitanamane, Namaste Saraswatundeve, Gauravani Bhacharane, Nirvishesha Srinivadi, Paskyadhyade Satarane. One may sometimes wonder why there is such an emphasis on repeating exactly the message that's received in disciple succession. Because people think, generally, reality is what you make out of it. That I have my reality, you have your reality, and someone else has their reality, and they're all equally valid. But according to the Bhagavatam, according to Bhagavad Gita, there is a reality, an absolute reality. Whether people accept it or not is another thing, just like people are not even aware that they're eternal. And due to the influence of the illusory energy, they couldn't care less if they're eternal or not. Although they're they're working hard to try to make this body last as long as possible. But if they hear that they themselves are eternal, that they'll exist out beyond the duration of this body, they're not interested in, in achieving that. They'll work day and night to get enough money, go to the doctor and have a facelift, and look, look five years younger. They'll work hard work overtime in order to get a appearance that they're going to live a little bit longer. But if you're, they're told that you can actually live forever, they're not interested. Perhaps they don't even believe it. And if you explain to them that your body is not yourself, because the body is an ever-changing energy, but you yourself are always the same, they won't accept it. 
for different reasons. One reason is it implies, implies that whatever they have done so far was a waste of time. And people's false ego will not allow them to accept it. People are imagining that they deserve some extra credit because of everything they've done. Little do they know they'll definitely get credit, but it's not exactly the credit they're looking for. They definitely have credit stored up and with Yamaraj, and he's waiting to pay him back for it. So, Brahmarpanam Brahma Haivir, Brahma Agno Brahma Hutam, Brahmaiva Tenagantavya, Brahma Karma Samadhiya. Uh, that the work of a person who is fully absorbed in transcendental knowledge emerges entirely into transcendence. For him, the offering, the sacrifice, the culmination, they're all absolute. In other words, what we're trying to change is not the material energy. Because we don't have to worry about changing the material energy. It's going to change whether we try to do it or not. And for the most part, it's beyond our control exactly what change is going to happen. Matter of fact, even our own body, we're not even aware of what's going on, what to speak of making any significant changes. But what we can change is our consciousness. If we try to add Krishna consciousness to our existence, then our consciousness can be elevated. Krishna consciousness can be added either through the Varna and Ashram system, by surrendering to Krishna, by hearing how to utilize this body according to ashram and work, or it can be changed through the process of becoming an instrument for Krishna in his mission of the Sankirtan movement. We have a choice. Of course, we don't really have a choice because in this age, no one can strictly follow Varna and Ashram. But we can utilize Varna and Ashram in order to establish some kind of peaceful situation in our existence, relatively peaceful, so that we can concentrate on Krishna. The whole idea is to concentrate our minds upon Krishna and give our love to him. Uh, That's the only practical purifying process in Kali Yuga. But in the Tevidu Swartikatim, he Vishnu, Darashaya, Yebarhir, Arthamanina. People don't know that. To understand that Krishna is the Bhagavan, that he's Aishvaryasya, Samagrasya, Viryasya, Yashashastriya, Jnana Vairagyas Chainam, Sanam Bhaga Itinganaha. That Krishna is the source of all beauty, all wealth, all fame, all knowledge, all renunciation. Uh, it's, as soon as people hear that, their minds go blank. What, what are they talking about? It's completely beyond any conception possible. And if they hear that such a person as described by Krishna, when he's in Vrindavan, the lakes, the trees, the deer, the cows, that everyone and everything is attracted to Krishna, they think that this is mythology. It can't be a person from which everything came from who has unlimited opulence. It's just not possible. 
Besides that, it would be undemocratic and unfair. No one elected him God. No one wants him God. So why does he just resign? Maybe we need some protests. Mass world universal protests. We don't want Krishna to be God here anymore. No, rather than do that, they just ignore him. Like the rabbit putting its closing its eyes when the bigger animal is going to attack it. They just ignore Krishna. And because they have to do something, they invent so many things to do to pass time. Ah, but actually, there's not so many things to do. It all culminates in sense gratification. Eating, sleeping, mating, defending. And even they take up the process of hearing about Krishna, they have to make it in such a way as that actually the message is how to have nice eating, sleeping, mating, defending. The Bhagavatam is a book to tell you how to perfect your eating, sleeping, mating, defending. Uh, Krishna, he appears in the Bhagavatam in order to show us how to dance with young girls at night. Unmarried girls at night and get away with it. That's why the Bhagavatam is, for them, is noteworthy. Otherwise, if the Rasa Lila was not in the Bhagavatam, the impersonalists wouldn't even bother with it because they'd think it was a waste of time that these people don't know what they're doing. Or maybe they listen to it, they read it to their children. Then when Agasura, Coward Boys, and, the, and Krishna enter into the mouth, it seems like something their children should hear before they go to sleep at night so they can have peaceful dreams. Because they don't, everything they hear about, everything they think about, everything they experience and talk about it's all involved in eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. And that's how they see the world. And that's how they see the Bhagavatam. And that's how they explain the Bhagavatam. To imagine that there is a reality beyond this temporary universal, this temporary material experience that we're having, is not within their realm of acceptance, but to speak of understanding. Uh, they don't actually like to hear about that at least those who have made their business to take over this material universe and utilize it for their material happiness, or at least some part of the material universe to utilize for some degree of material happiness. Therefore, Shonika Rishi and the other sages are interested in hearing the truth about Krishna. So that by following the instructions, they can actually enter into reality. We're in reality, but we haven't entered. Our consciousness is not in reality. Our consciousness is covered by different material misconceptions of which we're attached to. In order to hear Bhagavatam, we have to have the right attitude. And part of the right attitude is to understand that as long as we're not fully conscious of Krishna, we must be influenced by illusion. And being influenced by illusion, if we're expecting a nice, peaceful, happy existence with no problems, then we're wrong. First of all, no one in this universe, including Lord Brahma, has a nice, happy, peaceful existence. It's just not possible. 
because we can't, we, the material nature we're not controlling. We don't control the weather. We don't control other people. We don't even control what's going on inside this body. And for the most part, everything in the Kali Yuga especially is disturbing. But what we can control is how we react to things. But the only way we can control how we react to things is when we're situated in transcendental knowledge. Unless we can actually focus our minds upon Krishna and Krishna's service, which will give us entrance into Krishna consciousness, then the result is we have no, nothing steady to hold on to. If you're in the ocean, and you're being tossed by all the waves of the ocean, if you have no support, then you'll just drown. But somehow or another, if some boat comes along and you grab the rope, then you have some support. And in spite of all the waves that are tossing you, somehow or another you have some shelter. And then eventually they may even pull you onto the boat and you won't be affected by the waves anymore. So without grabbing hold of the message of the Bhagavatam, and it doesn't mean we come to class, as I've been saying lately, we grab hold of the rope and we leave and we throw the rope away because we're back into the real world. We're here again into reality. What's to eat? Make sure I have a nice bed. And other things are extra. So unless we hold on to that rope, then we'll eventually become so disturbed by material existence that we won't be able to find our way back into the temple to hear the Bhagavatam. So we have to, we have to take the right attitude that actually this knowledge is a shelter, that I myself need shelter, because right now I'm being tossed by the waves of my own existence, my own consciousness, which is constantly trying to misdirect me, yogas chalati manasa, to becoming a expert enjoyer, becoming more and more expert in eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. And everyone is trying to tell me that if I can become better at those things, then I'm going to become a better person. As long as you don't get caught at stepping the line over the line too much. And of course, the line keeps on changing. What was considered abominable 10 years ago is considered mandatory nowadays. One is actually considered to be primitive if one does not keep up with the current conception of what's actually acceptable in the realm of eating, sleeping, mating, defending. The sages of Namasharanya were shocked to hear that a cow was being beaten by a shudra. Nowadays, people would be shocked. Why did the shudra not cut its throat? Why did it bother beating it? Why is he wasting his time? Should have cut its throat and eat it right there before a picture arrived. Or a picture arrived, he should have given it in half. So people's conception, the, sh- the sages were shocked to hear that even a cow was beat, hit. And nowadays people are wondering, well, why didn't he sell the cow and make some money? 
and in every field of existence because of the influence of the mode of ignorance, because the mode of ignorance produces more ignorance, therefore people are becoming more and more degraded, and they're losing touch with reality. Although they think they're entering into a reality, such as a virtual reality, they think, well, this reality is not so pleasant, I can't control it very much, so let me go into a virtual reality, and I'll have more control over it, and that will make me happy. It doesn't matter whether it's, it actually exists or not in the sense of anything which is tangible. It's like sometimes people play video games, and they play them for so long, for so many days, that they die of malnutrition and dehydration. They think they're conquering the universe. <laughs> and they're, the only thing they're really achieving is getting a new body, but not necessarily a better one. So similarly, people want to enter into a virtual reality, but the devotees want to enter into real reality because real reality is full of bliss. It's full of unlimited happy, happy consciousness, and it goes on forever. And for doing that, we have to have the right attitude. And in order to get the right attitude, we have to hear from the right source, such as Shukadeva Goswami or Sutta Goswami, who can give us direction how to change our consciousness so that we can actually become qualified to hear the message in such a way as we can experience it. We're not just trying to get theoretical knowledge. We're trying to get knowledge of how to work in this world, both with our body, mind, and words, so that we can remove our false ego and work as Krishna's, the servant of Krishna's eternal servants, and therefore become qualified to actually experience what's in the Bhagavatam. Without that experience, either in our daily lives and devotional service, or even just by hearing the Bhagavatam, or by chanting Hare Krishna, then it all remains on the theoretical platform. And the reason why it remains on the theoretical platform is generally because our motivation is not really to enter into the Bhagavatam, it's to utilize the Bhagavatam for some other purpose. Because that's the way we've been trained. But that's all right. We can also be retrained, although that may take a little bit longer, so that we understand that the goal of the Bhagavatam, reading it, is to practically hear it, remember it, see it, apply it in our lives of conviction, in our relationships with Krishna, the devotees, the innocent people, and with the non-devotees, so that we can gradually... uh, purify our relationships with Krishna and his representatives so that we, we can actually become inspired to surrender to Krishna, utilize our energies fully in his service, and therefore receive the mercy of being able to experience Krishna. And when we experience Krishna, then naturally we'll be inspired to go out and tell other, give other people the, the secret also, of how they can also experience Krishna and become eternally happy and full of awareness and consciousness. But unless we actually experience Krishna, or unless we take to a service which 
inspires us to, to become aware of Krishna, to depend upon Krishna. Because it's our feeling. We may not be feeling love for Krishna right now, but at least if we can feel dependent on Krishna, that will help us. That's a kind of love. Just like a child probably said we should chant, like a child calling us for its mother. Because a child generally has some affection for its mother. But at least if we put ourselves in some service where we feel dependent on Krishna, on his mercy, on his help, then the result is that Krishna can reciprocate with us. For instance, a service like book distribution means that we're more, one will feel oneself more or less helpless, because that's what we are anyhow. But all our great qualities and our wealth and our high learning, whatever, is useless when we're meeting a person on the street. For them, you know, we're just anyone else. All our titles, have no, if you tell them, well, I'm a GBC, really, I'm an ABC. <laughs> it has no meaning to them. The only thing that has meaning to, to them is how convinced you are, how enthusiastic you are, how patient you are, how appreciative you are of them. That's the only thing that has meaning. How much ultimately you're relying upon Krishna for these things. That has some meaning. So therefore, it's, it's noted as a service which is helpful for the devotees to make progress. But any service, if we actually try to do it nicely and rely upon Krishna to give us the intelligence how to do it with care and attention, then that also serves as, as strengthening and furthering and deepening our relationship with Krishna. So the Bhagavatam class is to inspire us that we should do service to Krishna. Otherwise, why do people not go to the Bhagavatam class? Because they're not doing service to Krishna. What is the value of going and hearing about how to serve Krishna unless you're doing it? Will people go to a class, how to build an airplane, if they're not doing it? How to build an Anyone ever go to a class, how to build an atomic motor? Anyone ever go to such a class? Even if it was offered free? No, of course not, because no one has any, we're not going to build any atomic motor. Why would we bother going to a class about it? Wasting our time hearing all the, the, the theoretical knowledge of how to do it, because we're never going to do it. So similarly, unless we're actually going to apply in our practical lives the philosophy of Christian consciousness, why should we bother going to an explanation of how to do it? It's just a waste of time. Therefore, Shushu Shau Sharadanasya Vasudeva Kataruchi Syan Mahatsevaya Vipra Punya Tirtanishevana. It's by service to the right message that we actually develop Krishna consciousness or a taste, feeling, experience of Krishna consciousness. And that's what we want is experience. Otherwise people may come for some time because they hear the glories of the Bhagavatam that if you go to the Bhagavatam, then you'll conquer a kingdom, or as I said yesterday, some apsar will come, and you'll get a nice wife. They hear that in the Bhagavatam, there's so much glorification, so they'll come for a few weeks, see if it happens. The wife kicked them, I guess they couldn't even, they realized, after hearing the Bhagavatam, 
for three weeks, they still won't be able to conquer a kingdom in the near future. So they give up because they're not get, getting what they think they're gonna, that they want. Little do they know what they actually want is, is taste, experience, spiritual bliss, spiritual enlightenment. But that takes some hearing patiently for some time and absorbing the knowledge, understanding the knowledge, and with conviction applying the knowledge in the field of devotional activities so that one can actually have the opportunity to experience what Krishna consciousness is like, purify oneself so one's senses, mind, intelligence, and ego are receptive to the message and therefore be able to experience it. Other than that, it remains on the theoretical platform. As Prabhupada says, it is... That's chapter four, text number. O Chasara, the enemy of the sacrifice performed in knowledge is better than mere sacrifice of material possessions. After all, son of Prita, all sacrifices of work culminate in transcendental knowledge. So as Prabhupada writes in the purport, real knowledge culminates in Krishna consciousness, a highest stage of transcendental knowledge. Without the elevation of knowledge, sacrifices are simply material activities. When, however, they are elevated to the level of transcendental knowledge, all such activities enter into this, onto the spiritual platform. Depending on the differences in consciousness, sacrificial activities are sometimes called karmakanda, fruit of activities, and sometimes jnanakanda, in the pursuit of truth, is better when the end is knowledge. So at least we should perform our work with consciousness, with awareness. And if we don't add that on, then we may be doing service, but it won't be in consciousness, in full consciousness, which is the next step towards Krishna consciousness. As Prabhupada said, Intelligence is the next-door neighbor of the spirit soul. So when we're conscious, then there's every opportunity to become conscious of Krishna also, which is ultimately what ultimately con- real consciousness is. So that's why Shonaka Rishi was interested in hearing from Sutta Goswami because he was going to get the real message. And Shonaka Rishi, uh, Sutta Goswami, was willing to deliver that message because he had a receptive audience who wanted to receive it. So, thank you. Any questions, comments? Yes. Thank you, Maharaj. So, um, we were talking about, uh, or you were talking about uh, eating, sleeping, manning, and defending. And I had a question about um, the justifications of the mind. 
Like, uh, for example, like what if somebody is doing some service, but and they're doing some bodily maintenance that might be viewed as sense gratification, but they're saying in their mind, "Oh, but I want to do this so I can take care of my body, so I can end up serving." It, should we like disregard these justifications if it's not directly related to service? Well, I mean, first of all, not everyone's on the same level of commitment. So what might be viewed as sense gratification to one person might be completely normal and necessary for another person. Therefore, in the Varnash Ashram system, there are different levels of commitment and knowledge. Not all of the, not every level of commitment and knowledge, they act the same. So even in the Hare Krishna movement, it's not expected that everyone should be on the same level of commitment and everyone has the same level of understanding. What would be expected of a sannyasi would not be the same as expected, say, of a grihasta. If a sannyasi embraced a woman, it wouldn't be considered very good. If a husband never embraced his wife or touched his wife, I'm sure the wife wouldn't consider, well, my husband's so elevated, he's practically on the level of sannyasi. You probably think, well, maybe he should take sannyas. <laughs> Anything else? Yes. Thank you again, Marsh, for the class. You know, in the in a broader perspective of um, mainstream society. Um, our our duty, of, of course, is to reach out to people. So it seems, um, well, you know, the, there was that example of uh, Srila Prabhupada and Mayapur saying that we could be very happy and peaceful just living in a grass hut. But if we only have a hut here, no one will come. So on one hand, um, you know, we want people to spiritualize their lives and to understand the Bhagavatam. But on the other hand, you know, like you said, there we're in general we're engrossed, we're covered, we're only doing things because we're motivated. So, what is that motivation that draws someone out of normal sense gratification and and that brings them to actually the you know platform of of, of uh, wanting to inquire, wanting to hear the Bhagavatam? Taste, higher taste. Somehow or another, if some comes to the Bhagavatam and hears something that they like and that they try out, and Krishna reciprocates for them. Mm. It may not be overwhelming at first, but gradually you put the iron in the fire, it gets hotter and hotter and hotter. So they, they come and they, get, they like something. They, they like the prasadam. We, we find people coming back again and again not necessarily to the class, but they come back to eat the prashana because they like it. And in, in coming to the temple, they see a picture of Krishna, they hear something about Krishna. So gradually they'll get purified. As long as, especially after they come to the platform of realization and I should follow principles, regular principles, then the process may go on if they keep on if they got some higher taste that they're trying to cultivate. 
So it's critical that the devotees, you know, offer that taste, that offer that association, they offer that, that it seems without the devotees reaching out to others, it's just not possible, you know, to simply hear or, or to, you know, come in contact with Krishna consciousness. It seems like it's really our responsibility then. Yeah. Now, there are different levels of engaging people giving them an opportunity. First we give them, we're good at, in our movement, giving people an opportunity to come and hear sometime. Not all the time, but sometime. You know, we have programs like Rathiatra or the, the Sunday Feast. Or, so we make it convenient for people, some people to come and hear about Krishna. But we don't, and then sometimes we even have study classes and things like that so people can understand that they should actually learn the knowledge I just hear it superficially. And then sometimes we, we have specialized people, they learn secrets like they should actually remember the knowledge and others even to apply it. So we, we have some idea that you can come and serve the deities here or do some service. So we give them some opportunity, but limited opportunities. We're not very good. Generally, the thing we're most enthusiastic about is convincing people they should chant on the Joppa beats and they should follow principles for at least six months and get initiated, and then good luck afterwards. We, we wish you well, but you know, we, don't, we can't bother with you because we have nothing beyond that to offer you. Because generally speaking, we're not fully, we're not fully organized for the Sankirtan movement. We're only partially mobilized for the Sankirtan movement. So we don't know how to utilize people's energies. And they don't know how to utilize it. So we only bring people usually up to the point of initiation and some rare devotees. They carry on to the point of doing some work regularly for the temple or for the Sankirtan movement. But as far as engaging the potential for 90% of our congregation, or if not more, then we don't utilize the potential that they have to spread Krishna consciousness. And therefore, they never really develop. They don't develop. Our movement doesn't develop because our movement develops when people develop. And we're just happy, you know, maybe we're not happy, but for some reason we're reluctant or unaware or whatever the cause may be. They actually expand beyond. We, We struggle even to maintain but to speak of of expand, we struggle, your son. Yeah, we struggle just to, to maintain. maintain. Just to maintain mm. the standard that was that was easily maintained when people were enthusiastic, and the movement was more dynamic. Mm. Would would you um, would you base that on? Um, our leadership, not inspiring the devotees, or what would you... combination of both. It's everyone works together for the remain dull and, and complacent. I heard Mis- once... Generally, it's misconceptions. The, the main misconception I see is the lack of understanding of who to ex- exchange loving relationships with and how to do it. That's the main thing, because... Unless if you're trying to exchange a loving relationship with someone and they're unreceptive because they don't think you're qualified to do it, it's going to be very hard. 
Mm. If you're trying to love your wife and she thinks you're you're you know you're as good as a to- totem pole for to her. <laughs> 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 it's going to be a very hard relationship. So even we we have some desire, especially at the beginning, people are very enthusiastic, but then they come and they find out, you know, they ask who are you re- initiated by, and you tell them someone who's not their guru, they say, oh, really? Uh, <laughs> and then they become, you know, the, the relationship, it's based partly at least upon this, this idea of God brothers and sisters, they're part of my intimate family, and everyone else may be a cousin, maybe a distant cousin, or if they're part of another, if they're not even initiated, you know, you're not even worth anything. You're practically useless. So this whole conception that people have, you know, are, which is more or less a barrier, an obstacle to actually understanding properly who's on what level of devotional achievement and how I should reciprocate and serve them appropriately. Because we've, you know, covered our relationships with these misconceptions. Therefore, we're limited and we're discouraging ourselves and we're discouraging others from participating more fully in Christian consciousness. Because we're not offering, you know, a nice building. We're not even just offering food. We're offering loving relationships. Without that, no one is satisfied. No one will actually commit themselves and and, uh, sacrifice themselves unless loving relationships are at the end of it. Well, that's very, very beautiful. Thank you so much, Marsh. Could you imagine, you know, your wife hates you and you go, and your children hate you, even your dog hates you. <laughs> and you go home every day. Hi. And they go, rawr. <laughs> how, how, what kind of work are you going to do for them? You know, you know, you'd probably immediately pack your bags and they'll never hear from you again. It's all based on loving relationships. We, our commitments and our sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, what is this? You don't think so? You think someone here doesn't have this book? Anyone here doesn't have this book? Can't see it. What's the title, Marsh? Hope this meets you in good health. That's your book. Yeah. On Ayurveda. This is a compila- compilation of everything that Prabhupada and the scriptures I could find in our scriptures say about health, systematically organized. That's the first part. And the second part, part, part is the articles that I wrote over the years, especially about Ayurveda and other subjects about health. So it's a book on health. Yes. It's called Help This Meets You in Good Health. So it's, they're available from Nityananda Chandravru. You can contact him. And we also have them in Spanish. And if you want a book in Russian or in Polish, I also have those. In Croatian. Yes. So, are you saying that the best way to develop in Krishna consciousness is to distribute books? For some people, I mean, Prabhupada wanted everyone to at least get that experience, but obviously, it's not the only service to Krishna. Someone has to cook the prasadam. Someone has to print the books. 
Someone has to deliver the books. Someone has to take care of the temple in case someone happens to come who read the book. <laughs> <laughs> My God, you read the book. <laughs> Why are you coming here and disturbing us? <laughs> so every service is valuable. But, some, but we have to do it in the right attitude, relying upon Krishna. It just so happens that book distribution, especially at the beginning or even at the end, forces us to rely more upon Krishna because we're, we're facing a great challenge there. Well, you know, waving his, some incense in front of the deity may not be as great a challenge <laughs> for most people. But trying to figure out how to get people to take the book and give a donation and walk, walk away happy is quite a challenge. It requires a lot of intelligence and, and empowerment coming from Krishna. Or else we go out there and we get frustrated and, or we get you know, humbled, something. You know, that's what. So in any case, the, hum, the humility, the reliance upon Krishna, these things are readily available from book distribution. But they can also be there if you're trying to teach children at the Gurukul. That's also quite a challenge. Trying to cook in a kitchen full of screaming people, that's quite a challenge for Krishna. There's, also, there's so many challenges. But we have to see it as a, an opportunity to focus our mind on Krishna in the midst of difficulty and re- rely upon him to get a result. It's pleasing to him. Right? All right, thank you very much. Grandaraj, Shimad Bhagavatam, Kijai, Srila Prabhupada, Kijai, Gaur Primanande.